to have a prophetic voice. That prophetic voice should be uh, sung. God wants it to be beautiful. So please, if you could turn to Psalm 22, we will see uh, prophecy. Prophecy not just in pro, but in rhyme, in music. Dear Father, Lord, we come before you in this word, Lord. Uh, as a church, Father, we thank you for what you've given us. Uh, you have given us money as a church. You've given us a building as a church, Lord. You've given us one another. And Before all that, Lord, you've given us yourself. Father, we thank you for that. We lift our hands as empty as they really are, for none of this is truly ours. It is yours. Lord, we thank you for that. Father, we ask that you'd be glorified uh, in and among us, Lord. Lord, we ask that our love for one another would abound. Lord, we pray for uh, the work of the elders, deacons, the ministries, all the things we talked about or spoke about last evening in that church congregational meeting, that all these ministries and plans and future goals, Lord, reaching into Seton Hill uh, School to reach college kids for the gospel, Lord, we pray for reaching into Pentrafford High School with Warriors for Christ. Lord, we pray for all of our mercy ministry, for the baby bottle campaign, for the evils in our country, Lord, for the arrogance and pride that we have as a nation. Lord, we bring all this together wrapped up before you and we lay it at your feet. And we ask for you, Lord, to provide a reformation and a revival. Lord, like Steve said, begin with us. Lord, we are here because we understand we must have your spirit. We must have your word. But Lord, change us. And Lord, make us more like Jesus Christ. Let us see your son, that we would see his glory and be made like him again, as we are transformed from glory to glory. Lord, we pray in, in that way that you would also transform our world, our society, community, this nation. Lord, help us to see that we must sing. We must sing prophetically with the voice that you've given us. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. And so here is Psalm 22. It's a psalm of uh, despair. It's trial. It's dark. It's sad. It's depressing. Uh, but it ends in light. And it reaches us exactly where uh, we are in this world. Because in this world, in our life, we are plagued with many trials, uh, we have a feeling or a sense of being forsaken time and time again as we go through different difficulties in our life. And here in Psalm 22 is the word of God. It says, this is a psalm to the choir master according to the doe of the dawn. This is a psalm of David is the introduction. It says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me, from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer, and by night I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And you are fathers trusted. They trusted, and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. In you they trusted and were not put to shame. And then he turns to himself and he says, but I am a worm. I'm not a man. I'm scorned by mankind and despised by the people. 
All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. They say, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him if he delights in him. You are he who took me from the womb. And you made me trust you at my mother's breast. On you was I cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me. For trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me, like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax, it melts within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaw. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me. A company of evildoers encircle me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count all my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them. And for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion, for you have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will tell of your name to my brothers, and in the midst of the congregation I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify him. And stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel. For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And he has not hidden his face from him. But has heard when he has cried. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear the Lord. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied, and those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. Sounds like heaven, doesn't it? All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord, and all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord, and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship before him shall Bow, all who go down to the dust, every one that cannot keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. What a song. What a beautiful song. It's mysterious to read, maybe if you've heard that psalm for the first time, you think, what is this? Who is the subject? Who's the object? What's going on? What's the situation? And of course, you find some things that were sung right there that sound vaguely familiar. My hands and feet are pierced. They cast lots for my garments. They deride me and wag their heads I am thirsty, my tongue clings to my mouth, 
So what did we just enter? We jumped right into that psalm. This is a psalm, it is a song, it is an old song of a trial. He starts off by saying, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? It's a song of being in despair, destruction, and death. Yet it is also a prophetic psalm. It's a song of hope, foresight, foretelling, foreshadowing. It demonstrates for us this morning, for you today to see this, to hear this, and understand that it demonstrates your need, your need to sing prophetically. You must sing the words of God. For the trials of this life will lead you exactly down this path. You have personal stories. You might be living in them now. And we are promised that they will certainly come in which you will have personal trials of feeling absolutely forsaken by God. And this psalm is for you. It is for all of us. It is given to us as a gift. We must sing it for multiple reasons. First, as we saw last week in Ephesians 5, we are told clearly God commands us to sing these psalms. Ephesians 5.19 says, Address one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart. This is what Paul meant. All 150 psalms of the largest book in the Bible, the book of Psalms, he said to the church, you need to sing these. And so that means as a church, if we don't sing these, we're disobeying God. So we have to sing these. But then you could always go two angles, and people do. They argue too much from that, and they argue too little. Some say we only should sing the Psalms, arguing too much, saying that's not what this is saying in Ephesians 5. We are to sing the Psalms. And some say to argue too little, which means we make our own songs and sprinkle a few Psalm verses inside of it. And that's not singing the Psalms either. You can't get that from a few verses. You have to pull it all out and realize what this is. What are these Psalms that have been given to us? Athanasius of Alexandria, many, many years ago, one of the early fathers in the church, to understand what this means, that this is such a foreign concept for us to sing the Psalms, is because we are detached from the history of what the church is. The church has always sang the Psalms. He says this, Do not let anyone amplify these words of the Psalter, the book of Psalms, with persuasive phrases, of the profane, that is, written language, uninspired writing. And do not let them attempt to recast or completely change the words. For it is the Spirit who speaks to the saints in rendering assistance to us through these psalms. What he's saying, referencing here, the way the church... So, would we rather have a church where we wear flowy robes and ornate candles and make ourselves look old? Or would we actually want to be a church that is old, that does what the church has always done? 
What is apostolic? What is scriptural? What is biblical? What is it that the church should do? And here is the sound of music, particularly from the Psalms. Another reason we have to sing these Psalms is that you will have trials in your life and you will feel forsaken. And this is the beautiful truth of what this Psalm is relating. That the foundations of everything that could be sung, anything beautiful about God, has to have its truth in the Word of God. So, a man named Horatio, Horatio <coughs> um, Spasser, you remember, he had the uh, song to sing, It is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. He lost his four daughters in a boat accident over the ocean as they were going over to the United Kingdom. He lost his son to fever and all of his money burnt in the Chicago fire the previous century. Now he wrote as he was traveling through the water that took his own daughters, it is well with my soul. His famous hymn, when peace like a river tends to my way. And he says, as he was actually in the place where his daughters wrecked and the water claimed their life, he penned the words, it is well with my soul. It is well with my soul. And the hymn's beautiful. It's famous. It's sung for hundreds of years, for over a hundred years. And we should sing that. But Why? Not because it rhymes. Not because it's beautiful. Because of the Psalms. Because there is a subsection of music that produces music. All of the hymns, all the things the church has ever written or sung that was beautiful was coming from the seedbed of these prophetic oracles given to us in the Psalms. The only reason that song is worth singing is not because it's beautiful or creative, but because it's true. Because it's true. Now sometimes, you will go through trials in which poetry will not work. Sometimes, you will have to have a prophetic word from God to tell you, it is well. It is really well. You need a prophetic song, and it has to be a song Because sometimes you're too depressed to go look up a Bible verse. Sometimes you're too depressed to go talk to somebody and get a word from God. Or listen to a sermon. Or be in the context of the church. Sometimes you want to be away. Sometimes you lost your whole family. You need to have music wired into the heart that you have in all of your sorrow. So that it could bubble up in your grief. When you don't have the momentum or the life within you to even go read the scriptures when you're too depressed when you're too forsook that you have something that you have been singing since your childhood something that only music can give in the way you will sing the same songs in your nursing home or you forget your own family's name this is why we sing the psalms you need that And it can't be someone else's word. You need God's word prophetically given to you and put in you in such a way so that when you are completely alone, completely forsaken, you have something to sing that is the word of God. 
This is what we have in this psalm. Demonstrated beautifully. Trying to, for the time we have, put this forward is an image. It's the image of the cross behind me and my relation to it. I want you to think of this. We walk backwards, to use a metaphor, in this life. By that I mean we don't know the future, but we can always know the past. But we're moving toward the future. So, we are moving toward the cross. In my position, the cross is behind me. The way we move in our life is walking backwards. I don't know the future. I'm not allowed to turn around. But I can know the past. I know my history. I know who I am. I know my days. I know what has transpired. And so I can always see this way as I move backward. And the psalm presents you with this today. We need songs that are prophetic. That is, songs that come directly from God. Because they foretell and foreshadow things for our future. So usually on a sunny um, Sunday morning, uh, one person was saying, it's hard for me to see you up there with the light. I was thinking, because I'm that ugly. I'm sorry, you have to look. But you do sometimes have to look up. It's hard to see me up here. But he said, no, no, no. It's not just because of your appearance. Maybe that. But he said, it's really because sometimes the sun goes through the windows there and it's very bright. And so actually looking straight up, when you're sitting in an angle with a line with the sun, it's, it hurts your eyes. It's just hard to look in this direction. The light of the gospel shines on the cross of Jesus Christ, right? And so if that light is shining through, I can see the shadow of the cross on the chairs, right? That is your prophetic word. The Psalms are that shadow, okay? You need to see the shadow of the cross in what is prophesied to know the future, but you're not allowed to turn around. God has limited your knowledge to not have no knowledge of the future. So with these prophetic oracles, these words from God that you're allowed to sing, you are singing shadows. You notice when I was reading Psalm 22, you were thinking, is that Jesus? It doesn't say Jesus. It kind of sounds like Jesus. That is shadowy language. It, it moves your heart. It stirs you to say, who is that? What, what was, who is this man? And what you're seeing, what you're singing, are shadows. Shadows of a cross that someday you will turn around and see the glory of the Lord of that light. This is the prophetic pattern given to us. The psalm opens up by saying, of a feeling of being forsaken, my God, my God, Why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me? There's no answer. There is no rest. So he feels forsaken. And look what he does. He turns to foreshadowing. That is, he looks back so that he could try to know what's coming in the future. See, when you're in very deep pain, the first visceral response with all of this sorrow is why. And what's the purpose? What's the meaning of this? I could go through the pain if there was a reason. If there was a meaning behind it. And so he, as we see through the psalm, is looking for a reason. 
Why am I so forsaken? Why am I so down? Why am I being persecuted such? And so he moves to say, by looking into the past, you are enthroned upon the praises of Israel. In you, our fathers trusted. Generations of men and women have trusted in you, and you have always delivered them. He turns back to Exodus. He turns back to God's deliverance for the people of old. And he's putting himself in that to say, what about me? They trusted in you, and you delivered them. Will you deliver me? Why are you so far from giving me rest? Why are you so distant from me? So he looks for shadows. He's trying to look back to know that there's light for his future. And he's looking and looking and recalling. And then he dips back into despair. In verse 6 to 8, he finds, again, the deep feeling of forsakenness. He says, I am a worm. I am not a man. They all see me. They wag their heads. They mock me. They say this to me. They say, he trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. If he trusts in him, if he delights in him. So these people are coming around this man, this mysterious, shadowy figure, and saying, you trust in Yahweh, then let Yahweh get you off that cross. Let Yahweh rescue you. And in that despair, this person is looking for shadows to say he resorts back again to history. And he looks to the shadows of his days. And he says, you took me from the womb. My mother's breast, you caused me to trust in you. Is this what this was all for? For me to just be forsook? You've been my God all my days. Why not now? Why am I forsaken here? Do you see? In his forsakenness, he's looking for foreshadows. In his forsakenness, he knows he can't look to the future. He doesn't know why this is happening to him. But he looks back to say, but, but Lord, those of old you have always rescued. And even me... As a small child, all my days I have been yours and you have been my God. What is this for? What is my future? And then he descends into the dust. He spirals down into the bottom of all bottoms. Strong bulls of Bashan. Bashan is a northern country with great green grass. And it was known for producing the strongest bulls. That all it is is a metaphor. Very strong men, powerful people are hurting him. But they're so not people-like. They're almost beast-like. They're evil. They're bulls. Strong bulls of Bashan are hurting me. They mock me. Be not far off. There's roaring lions. There's dogs. All these prophetic images of evil people, of varying degrees of power and ability surrounding him. And his powers are drained. His life is being sucked from him. He describes it as water poured out that can never be picked up again. My life, my water is poured out. My heart, it is inside my chest, but it melts like wax. My strength, my strength leaves with it. I am dried up. My tongue cleaves to the roof of my mouth. I'm in the dust. You've laid me. You, he says, you, Lord, you, Lord, have laid me in the dust of death. Verse 19. Save me. And then he responds and says, you have rescued me. You have answered. And here's the question. And this is the shadowiness of it all. This is 
prophetic music. Did he really die? You've laid me in the dust of death. But you've answered me. So were you dead? Did he get you right before you died? Did he save you? Or did God save you? Before you die? This is the beautiful shadow of prophetic speech. Yes, no. Aren't you going to die? But aren't you alive in Christ? You will have to die. You need to know how to sing prophetically. Because you will go to a place where you have no one else. Everyone dies alone. Except for this promise in the psalm that he will answer. But will he answer before or after you cross that chasm? Will you have to trust in him then? And the beautiful prophetic image of it all is Christ. Felt that. He died alone, but he was not forsaken. He's happy at the end. I will return and praise you in the presence of many. I will tell of your name in the midst of that congregation. I will perform the vows that I gave to you. I said, if you rescue my life, I will give you these vows. And I will be good on that if you rescue my life. He was protected. Is this psalm about you? Well, wait a minute. This psalm was written by David. It's a psalm about David. This psalm has been sung for thousands of years by the Jewish community. Is that what this psalm's about? But maybe this psalm's about Jesus. No. This is a prophetic psalm. And the answer to all of those is yes. We don't know what they are, these psalms. David wanted to build a house for God in 1 Chronicles 17. And God said, you're not allowed. And he said this, I want you to do this instead. 1 Chronicles 17, the Lord will build you a house. I'm going to make you a large lineage, a family. When your days are fulfilled, you will walk and be with your fathers. And I will raise up your offspring after you. One of your sons, he will establish a kingdom. And he shall build for me, and I will establish his throne forever. And he says, I will be to him a father, and he will be to me a son. And I will not take away my steadfast love from him. I will never take it away, he promises. And I will confirm his throne, and he shall be established forever. My one friend, PJ, mentioned this, and I think it's awesome. Caesar is now salad dressing. And Jesus is still Lord. I love that. I love that. This prophecy is true. All the lords of the earth are but dust. He said, I will confirm his throne and he will have it established forever. So David went to work with that. 
And he began building a temple while preparing for his descendants to build a temple. He collected bronze and silver and gold and stone. He took priests who were supposed to make sacrifices and set them aside to organize them. He took Levites who were supposed to serve the temple and set them aside to organize them. He took gatekeepers who were supposed to be the security guards for the temple. He set them aside and organized them. And lastly, what he did, in 1 Chronicles 25, you'll see, he set aside musicians. He took 288 musicians. And it says there that they prophesied with the lyre and the harp and the cymbals. That is the Psalms. That's where our Psalms came from. That was the origin of this book, the church's hymnal of 150 Psalms. It came from a unique promise for a throne that will never end. And a unique ordained musicians who were prophets. And they prophesied with their instruments. And they wrote these Psalms and they compiled these Psalms. And these psalms are like no other song. These are prophetic praises. And so Jesus, in the Gospels, looking to see who is the Messiah and what people think about him, he quotes Psalm 110 and says, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand, and I will make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Speaking about himself, when he knows the people are going to reject him, in Mark 21, Matthew 21, he quotes Psalm 118. And he says, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. When Jesus knew that his final meal with his disciples was coming to the end, and that Judas would betray him, he quoted Psalm 41, and he said, He who shares my bread has turned against me. And he conquered the world on the cross, dehydrated and near death, singing the Psalms. Hanging on that tree, he quotes Psalm 22, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He knew what the book of Psalms were for. He knew he was the son of David. He knew it was all about him. And that is how he approached his death. Singing, singing the last words. Singing the Psalms. It is through these Psalms, these oracles, in part that God is conquering the world. The Psalms, when we speak about worship as warfare, we have, we have laid aside the fallacy of our age of thinking that worship is a musical emotional response. And if I don't like the music, it's really not for me. No. Music is warfare for the church. And the Psalms are the nukes. Right? This is PJ's, a tribute to PJ's, ser this sermon is a tribute to PJ. Because I'm going to do it again. <laughs> PJ comes to me and says, listen, we need to drop psalms, not bombs. I'm like, man, where do you get this stuff? Like, what's wrong with him? But it's true. Jesus conquered the world. Quoting Psalm 22. I've been forsaken. And then... Resurrected, not abandoned. So when feeling forsaken, think of this. Is this his song? Is this song about Jesus? Or is this song for you? Well, let me ask you a question. Those nails in here where he was pierced, were those his nails or were they yours? 
That cross he's on, was that Jesus' cross or was that your cross? That feeling of despair and near death, abandonment from God, was that only about Jesus or is that about you? This song, is this Jesus' song or is it your song? Is not his life your life? Is not your sin his sin? Sing these songs. We have to sing these songs. These songs are our songs in the same way Jesus is our Christ. He is our life. And some things such as this are too beautiful to be spoken. They must be sung. They're too beautiful. They're too glorious for simple speech. On the Lord's day, the Lord's people sing his coronation celebration. Whenever a king would conquer a land, he always set up a day every year. It would be his day that he was the king. Now Jesus said, I've conquered the world. Every seven days, everyone will gather and as a proclamation of high-handed rebellion against every evil autonomous human domain. We sing to celebrate the lordship of Jesus. And as the psalm says, he is enthroned upon the praises of Israel. And that is what we do. We enthrone, he dwells our praises. His presence is in these praises. And that is why we have to sing prophetically. Because we don't know the future. But we know what he has said. And he is there and he is Lord. Let us pray. Father, Lord, we thank you that you've given us this. And Lord, we thank you. Not only have you given us your own life and body and blood... But you have let us have your songs. You have given us songs to sing. And they must be songs. Because they're full of joy. You have given us a reason to sing. Not just songs to sing. So Lord, help us to sing your praises. Strengthen this church. Glorify your name, Lord. As we lift up our voices and you be enthroned in our praises. Amen. Would you please stand if you're able.